Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Throughout the last couple of weeks, we've been working through this vision series here at Renewal. And if you've been here, I hope you've been enjoying it. Our vision series and this vision of being a church that uh, is not just in the city, but we seek the welfare of the city, which means that we're for the city. And so we really want to see Chicago better because we're a church that's here. We don't want it to be the same with us existing in the city. And that vision rests upon three different pillars, as we like to say, renew, rebuild, and release. We want to release people to do the work of Jesus Christ, not only here, but wherever they go. We want to, we want to see that place better because of what God has done within them. Last week, Pastor Steve ended our rebuild part of, the, of our vision where he talked about being commissioned, going out. It's not about just being fat and, and, and just consuming, but we want to be fat in another way, faithful, available, and teachable. We take what we have and we go out with it and we make disciples as we go, which leads into what I want to talk about today. We're going to talk about this last part of our vision, which is release. Uh, Jesus' message of the gospel, I've said this before, the reality is that God, Jesus, as he came and he lived among us, his message of the gospel did not make a lasting impact on the world until he sent his disciples out onto the world. And when he sent them out, they turned the world upside down for his glory. Therefore, our, our prayer as a church is that we would be a church that where we, we equip you so well to where there's this, this, this feeling of sentness. I, it's a word I made up, I believe. But it, it's, it's, it's this, this is idea of you understanding that your life is a mission field, that wherever you go, you can take Jesus with you. You can take the gospel with you. And that place is better. And, and, it's, and it's known that you love the Lord. We want to equip you that well that, that that place changes because of you entering into the space. Which brings me to the question that I've asked you in and out of this series as we've been re-engaging and reimagining, what does your life look like? That's the question we got to answer. Gypsy Smith, a deceased British evangelist, I I love the way he puts it. He says it this way. Uh, He says there's five gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Christian. And some people will never read the first four. Some of y'all got it. Some of y'all missed it. You get it on the way home. We're good. Now, listen. This is true, especially in Chicago. There are churches everywhere here, right? It's a church city. So people are, and many times, they, they can really care less about another sermon, They want to see what your life looks like. Why do you believe in this Jesus as you call Lord and Savior? How has that impacted your life? I want to see your life. So I don't need to hear a good sermon. I can go hear a good sermon. What does your life look like? Why do you call on the name of Jesus? I love Jesus actually says it a different way, too, as he's in John 13, uh, the night night he's taken away before he's crucified, and he 
He's washing the disciples' feet, and he stops and he says this to him. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, Jesus is basically here saying the same thing that Gypsy Smith says. If people can't look at you and see something different and know that there's something more, then they ain't never going to pick up a Bible. Jesus, 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 but then you do something else. Why why would I want to read about this Jesus if I look at your life and it says something else? People have to see our lives. We're renewed by the gospel. We're built through discipleship. And lastly, we're released to impact this world, the kingdom of God. Our lives should point people to Jesus as believers. So today, I want to briefly look at this passage of Scripture. I'm in Isaiah 6. It's really one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. And I always come back to this when I think of the release part of our vision because uh, it's so prevalent. I mean, Isaiah's in this, this time where uh, people are very wayward and they're not listening to God. They're not following him. And, and God calls him. He, he, he has this dramatic, if you want to say, encounter with God where his life is, is changed. And in the midst of that, not only is his life changed, but he also notices that he dwells in a land full of messed up people. And so if you got your Bibles, go ahead and flip with me. Isaiah 6, that's where we'll be this morning. Uh, Go ahead and stand with me if you're able. Isaiah 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 8, the whole thing for context sake. And I want you to kind of visualize this a bit. If you got it, go ahead and say got it. Right in the chat if you're online. Here it is, starting verse 1. The Word of God reads, In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Uh, let Let me read that again. He says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, Lord. Send me. Very word of God. Amen. Today I want to preach on this topic. It's really a question. Are you ready? Are you ready? 
Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for you. You are truly an awesome, matchless God. Thank you that you call a people like us to yourself, unworthy and even in the place like Isaiah says, a man of unclean lips. Even now, Lord, as I stand before your people, God, I pray that you would hide me behind your cross, that you would decrease me, Lord, so that you may increase. Father, we need a word from you, God, and I pray that you would prick our hearts in a way that not only that you would call us to yourself, but that you would send us. Let us be ready, God, for whatever you have for us to do. And it's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus that we always all say together, amen, amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> well, I, I read the whole passage for uh, contextual sake here, but we're really going to pay attention to verse 8. So if you got a Bible, you can underline that, but that's what we're going to really pay attention. But I, I read the whole passage because I want you to, to see the whole thing. It's a passage that really, as you read it, it really it doesn't do justice to what's really going on in the passage. I mean, I need you to put your your uh, you up in the movie theater before you got the three D lenses and you got the special glasses. I need you to visualize this. Put your special glasses on. Some of y'all already seen Wakanda Forever, so picture. <laughs> I, I I need you to picture yourself in the movie right now of Isaiah six and what's happening right now. It says that Isaiah is having this encounter with God, and he sees God high and lifted up in a room, and his train, the train of his robe, is filling the temple. Now, I need you to picture this room filled up with fabric, smoke everywhere. The seraphim are flying all around. Now, these are big gargoyle-looking creatures, six wings, feet, and face, And they're flying around saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. The whole earth is filled with your glory. And it says that the voice of him who called the the doorpost, the threshold started to shake. And so the whole place is shaking as if the temple is about to fall down. All of this is happening at the same time. Could you imagine being there? Y'all, I would be freaking out. If I hadn't passed out already, Isaiah is getting to experience God in all of his glory. Again, this is happening all at the same time. He's most likely trembling, teeth chattering, just afraid. But then Isaiah says something that I think is so profound in the text. When he understands what's happening, what's going on around, he says, woe is me. For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Friends, do you see what's happening here? Here, Here's the truth. Some of us, you've heard me say this before, but when we come in contact with an all-powerful God and we see ourselves in his midst, our response is no longer, I I think I can, I can. I, I can make it on my own or I can I bring this to the table and I make this amount of money and I can do all things that I want to do. No, no, no. The, the proper response when we come in contact with an almighty God is I know I can't. 
I can't do it by myself. And I need you. I need you, Lord. This is what's happening here in the text. And what does God do when Isaiah comes to this realization? He saves him. I love it. The seraphim touches his mouth with a hot coal. I always like that part, and I don't have time to preach it, but they can't even touch the thing of God. That It's on the fire. They got to get a tongue, and they grab the coal, and they, they bring it over to him, and they touch his lip. And I, I love what happens. It's, it, his sin is taken away. God takes away his sin. None of us can save. God can. He takes away sin. And then what happens next? God says, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then Isaiah says, here I am. Send me, Lord. Send me. I'm right here. And th- that's what I want to talk about briefly this morning as we break down this idea of being released. And I'm not going to capture everything that happens with release here in the text. We're going to talk about it over the two-week period of time. But I-, I do want to give you a biblical perspective of where we actually see this going on, where Isaiah says, here I am, and he's released to do the work. And then afterwards, I- I'm, going to- I'm going to bring my focus on this morning. Number one, God's question. God's question. And number two, how we should respond. God's question. And number two, how should we respond? God says in the text, who will go for us? Now, listen, he's not asking this question because he is hopeless. He's not asking this question because he can't do it by himself or he doesn't have anybody to count on. He's God. He can do whatever he wants to do, when he wants to, how he wants to, no matter what you think or say. He's God. So, so when he's asking this question, I, I, I think he specifically asked it in the midst of Isaiah because Isaiah has just had this incredible experience with God. And now as he's clean, I, I believe God is asking him because he, he wants to see how Isaiah is going to respond. He wants to see if Isaiah, who once was unclean, and now he's clean because of this, this, this experience with a righteous God, how are you going to respond? Now watch this. Watch this. God already knows Isaiah's heart. He, he knows all of our hearts, what's in the deepest, darkest places, but he also knows Isaiah's heart because my man just said it. Verse 5 in the text, Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell where? In the midst of a people of unclean lips. You see that? Isaiah doesn't just notice his own faults. He doesn't just notice his own sin, but he can't help but to see a people who are lost and need this same salvation. Here's the take home. It's impossible to truly have an experience with God and not have a heart to share good news with other people. Let me say it again. It's impossible to have a true experience with God and not care about other people or want them to experience what Steve even referenced. When we're sitting back and we're like, well, I just want more. I just want more. We're not doing anything. That ain't Christianity. That's not what God calls us to. He's not calling us just to be fat and just keep gaining all of this knowledge and gaining this so we can argue. No, no, no. He's calling you to give your life away. And so before I go any further, I got to ask you the question, are you ready? Are you ready? Isaiah has seen God 
in all of his majesty, where he's recognized his lack of capacity to be holy, without blemish, perfect in his midst, in this almighty, in the midst of an almighty God, he says, woe is me. And because of that, he's able to be used. God asked this question because Isaiah's ready. So I ask you, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you at a place where you're able to be used by God? Are you available and ready? What, what I mean is, have you come to realize the, the vastness of God's glory, that he's matchless, that he's uncontainable, he's all-powerful, and in his midst, we are really nothing? But the good news is that even though we're, we're minuscule to his majesty, he still cares for us. He still wants to be in relationship with you. Y'all, that boggles my mind. An almighty God, in all the vastness of his glory, who's created the sun, the moon, and stars, knows all the stars by name, done all these things, he still cares for me and wants to be in relationship with me. Y'all understand that? Boggles my mind. Listen. We have to understand who God is first and how he cares for us in order to be used. I don't want you to miss it. I, I've talked about this guy before, but the great William Wilberforce, he, he understood this. Y'all might have seen the movie. I read the book where he, he, he once was a, a man that hung out in gentlemen's clubs and politician of his day. Uh, he had all this money. But he gambled a lot of away, and soon he would have an encounter with God that would change the trajectory of his life. And he would say these words, God Almighty has set before me two great objectives, the suppression of the slave trade and the reformation of manners. Now, he was so impacted by the truth and the grace of Jesus Christ in his life that he couldn't bear to look at another human being as less than he was because he knew the mess that he had been in. But he didn't stop there. He worked and worked and gave his life away to see slavery ended. Watch this. The next 18 years of his life after this, he worked until the slave trade was ended and outlawed in 1808. And then he, he wouldn't stop until slavery was outlawed in Britain and on his deathbed. I love this. 1833, three days before he died, he learned that slavery had ended in Britain. Gave his life away. Here's the point. When we embrace the, the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ, the glorious message of what he's done for us, and we truly believe that truth not only allows us to see the depravity of our own existence, but it also compels us to love other people. It doesn't just stop at, oh, Jesus, I love you with all my heart and I'm thankful that you saved me. No, no, no. It goes and extends to now sharing that love with other people, whereby doing so, you're hopefully pointing them to the same truth. Believers respond to the gospel not only as woe is me, but we also respond with, Lord, send me. Send me. Use me. This is why we see Isaiah in the passage without hesitation. My man says, here I am, send me. 
which leads to the second point, which is our response. Isaiah responds quickly and without hesitation. Now, friends, I'm going to be honest. This is kind of wild to me when I read this passage. It's kind of wild because dude has no idea what God is about to tell him to do. Here I am, Lord. Do what you want to do. I'm going. And, and the reality is, is that this is evidence of a truly renewed heart because if, if we don't know who God is through being renewed, then we're definitely not going to follow him. And secondly, on the other hand, even if we do know Jesus is our Lord and Savior and we proclaim the name of Jesus all over, up and down the street, really, truly following him and being used by him, we, we hesitate. We hesitate because we're like, how is it going to affect me? I know you want me to do this, but man, I got to go make this money, Jesus. I know you want me to do this, but I got, I got this girl, man. I, I got to be with her. And you know you ain't supposed to be with her, but you, I, I just got to do this. I got to take care of my family, Jesus. I know you're calling me over here, but I got, I got to do this over here. Or, or I, I gotta, it's all these excuses, all these things before we just follow Jesus. Because it's about you and, and your comfort and what you want. It's not really about glorifying God. And here it is. If we are going to truly be released, it can't be about us. It can't be about us because you will be highly disappointed at the end of the day because, family, listen to me. There is no glory on this earth from doing the work of the ministry. You don't get rich. I know y'all see people getting rich off the ministry and all that stuff. They're going to have to deal with Jesus later. It's all good. And it is what it is. I mean, you're going to have to deal with Jesus. You're not necessarily going to prosper you know, and have all these things. Now, now, hear me. I'm not saying that you can't have nice things. I've said that before. It doesn't mean that you won't have a little bit of money and live a decent life. The question you have to answer is what are you doing with what God has given you? How are you stewarding your resources? How are you stewarding your life? That, that's the question we have to answer when it comes to how am I giving my life away? See, the simple fact, friends, is that to be released, we're sent to glorify God. It's not about us. We're sent to glorify God. This means that when you come to know Jesus, your main focus is no longer on you. I know that's, that, that hurts a little bit. And see, we notice in the text, and we notice this fact when we look at Isaiah. Isaiah, he, he, my man's not focusing inwardly when God says, who will I send? He's not like, well, God, I got to go do this first. I got to do this over here. I got to take care of this. I, I got to go do this job. My wife needs me at home, blah, blah, blah. I need all these things. My kids, they, he doesn't have all these excuses. He just responds. And I, I paused when I read this because the reality is, is that it is very easy for us to just focus on ourselves when we come to know Jesus. And see, the problem is that when he calls us to something, to go someplace or to give of our lives, talent and treasures, it almost is never really about us. As a believer, look, look here it is. If you believe in Jesus, and I always have to remind myself, I could die tomorrow and I'm going to gain. And Paul says to die, to die is gain, but to live is Christ. 
which means that if, if I die tomorrow, I'm going to be with my father in heaven, released from this world and all the worries that come with it. I'm, I'm looking forward to that day. But because I'm still here, you know, I am. It's not about me anymore. I know what awaits me. I know that I'm going to heaven. I know the, the kingdom of God that awaits me. But I'm here to be a vessel used for God's glory. Focus is not on me anymore. It's so what God wants me to do, and that, that's for every believer. That's not just for me as a preacher. That's you, too. If you believe in Jesus, it ain't about you anymore. We live in a city, and I've talked about this a lot. We, we live in a city that's hurting. We live in a city that's, I mean, one of the highest crime and murder rates in the world. Crooked politicians. I mean, this last week was wild. All, all across the nation. And depending on which news station you're watching, I mean, you get a whole different story. And my wife will be mad at me about this, but I was just looking on Instagram, and I'm like, because I'm just looking at all the things that come out with politicians and stuff, and I'm not trying to be political at all. So I just think some of the stuff is crazy. I saw one ad, dude was like, if you want to defund the police, the next time you have a problem, call a crackhead. And I was like, What? Like, how did you even pay money for that? I mean, who does that help? You know, I mean, I just don't get it. That's, that's not even political. Like, what are, you, what, what are you doing? And I wasn't, I'm not, I, I didn't need, I couldn't even laugh at it because I was so saddened by the message and what he was actually saying. I mean, but there's so much division. That wasn't in Chicago. Division across racial lines, socioeconomic lines, broken homes and we are one of the highest populations of homelessness right here in our city. Every day, the plight of our city stares us in the face. And the sad thing about it is that because of the pace of our city and how we move about, is that many times we don't even notice the problems that are right in front of our eyes. Our hearts should be hurting. As believers, listen, we should be praying day and night for God to move. And we need to be involved, whether that's through GRIP. I know Jay's on the board where you're working with outreach for youth here in the city. Or if, if it's breakthrough and you're working with homeless uh, folks here and you're serving meals. And here's the other thing. You may be like, well, I don't have time right now, Pastor. D. My schedule is crazy. I don't, I'm working. I'm doing all this. But hear me, you might have some resources. And, and your ministry right now, it might be to give to the work of the ministry so that people can be the hands and feet because ministry costs money. It may be you saying, well, I'm going to give what I have right now. It says, the Bible says your heart is where your treasure is at. Where's your treasure? You want, to, you want to see God do some things here? You might need to just give. That looks different for all of us. What is God calling you to do right now in this season of your life? How do you respond to the here I am and jump in? Are you ready? That's the question we got to continually ask ourselves. We're called to meet the needs of others. And I've said this before. I'm going to ask you again. How can we truly call ourselves believers or Christians and follow a man who gave his life up to meet the needs of other people, and then we, on the hand, other hand, don't meet the needs of people. Don't go to, it doesn't go together. Christ came down. I, I mean, I like to picture this sometimes. I look at Jesus, and I'm like, man, Jesus was in the plushness of heaven. 
I mean, just looking down, chilling. I don't know if I would have left. And, and he, he not only comes down, but he comes in the lowest form, in a baby, in a town where people thought nothing good could come from, grows as a man, and then gives his life away for people that want nothing to do with him? I mean, think about that. that that's, what, that's what in your life that needed some help. Friend, maybe not a friend, you just saw somebody. Oh, let, me, let, me, let me put more on that. You came in contact with somebody that you consider an enemy in your life, somebody that doesn't like you or you, you could care less. You're like, man, forget them. You, you, you saw somebody this past week. Now, let me ask you, this person that you may not like, that may not like you, is liable to, he could hit you, she could hit you, punch you, do whatever they want to you, they could spit on you, all these things. Could you die for that person? I mean, think about it. Because that's literally what Jesus did for us. Jesus died for all of our sins, all of us, to which it, all of us in here, until we believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are enemies of the cross. But yet he takes on our sin and our transgression as he dies on the cross, doesn't stay there, but goes to the grave and after three days raises with power and then gives us life if we believe in him. That's the good news of the gospel. And he's calling us to live that same way and give our lives away. Again, when we come to know this truth, we understand what God has done. It should force us to move. And get it. Isaiah, man, he's not about to deliver some flowery message either. That's the crazy thing about this. Hence, when, 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 you are, when you're released a lot of times, it's not easy. God calls you to do something, and you have to live differently in your life. It's not easy. Isaiah has to say something really hard to the nation of Israel. And believe me, it's not God loves you. No, he, he basically is the bearer of bad news, and he comes in, and he has to proclaim, basically going to tell him, look, look, you, you know all that stuff that God promised you? You ain't getting it no more. And And... On top of that, a lot of y'all going to die because of his wrath. You, you're, you're, not, you're not going to make it. I mean, picture this. It's like somebody giving, saying, look, 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 you know that mansion I promised you on 10 acres, and I was going to give you $100 million in the bank, and, and all the food, all your wants and needs were covered. You don't have to worry about nothing. Yeah, you ain't getting that no more. It's not happening. Y'all... I would not want to share this message. But this is what Isaiah is called to do. Listen to me. Sometimes what I'm trying to get at is that being released is not easy. Sharing your life in places that are uncomfortable is not easy. Easy. Opening up your table to others that don't look like you, don't eat like you, don't vote like you, is not easy all the time. Giving your money away to the work of the ministry and it's now not in your control anymore, ooh, it's not easy. Let me keep going. It's not easy for the student 
that wants to live for the Lord, but yet everybody on campus is doing whatever they want, drinking and going out to parties, all this stuff, and you're trying to live for Jesus. That's not easy. It's not easy at being in a relationship and you're saying, well, well I'm not going to have sex before marriage because I, I want to live the way God has, has ordained this thing to be. And so I want to be celibate before marriage. But everybody else is out here saying, well, you need to, you know, girl, you need to try that shoe on before you fit, you know, before you buy that thing. And you got to live with him or her because they might be messy. You, you know, just, you, you know what I'm saying? That's what everybody else is saying, but you, you, you're trying to live. That's not easy. It's not easy to be in the marketplace and working and, and trying to live a life that where you're pursuing God in all that you do, but yet everything around you says pursue success, pursue money. That's not easy. Isaiah in the passage, y'all, he has to go tell this hard message to the people where my man in verse 11 is like, God, 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 how long do I have to do this? And God says to him, I, I, I love it. I tell you, all God is kind of gangster sometimes because he says, he says, Isaiah, you got to go tell these people this message until the people look like a stump in the middle of a burnt down forest. That's a long time. You got to keep proclaiming this until all the people die off and it's just a little remnant that are going to make it. I'm trying to tell you guys, this is what I'm getting at. Being released and living for the glory of God is not easy. But you know why believers do this? You know why we do all these things? Because number one, you know what Jesus did for you. And number two, it's like I said when we started. Someone is always watching your life and looking at you, trying to find hope. Jesus says, when asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is saying to believers, your salvation is not just about you individually, called you to myself. You are saved now and experience this grace, salvation, just like Isaiah, so that you not only are saved, but you can take it out. Isaiah has to go and relay a hard message that has nothing to do with him, but it has everything to do with the lives of the people. Repent and believe. This is what's happening, which brings me back to my question I started with. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you for God to use you? Are you available? What burdens and passions has he put on your heart? What is he calling you to? Are you ready to be his vessel, to be released? With that, I'm going to bring my beautiful wife up here, and I want, I want her to just kind of share a little bit more practically with you all what it looks like to be released. Um, she preaches better than me anyway, so come on up here. Man. So, babe, we, we've talked about this quite a bit, and I, I like to call her my little evangelist, and just uh, God's just done a lot in her heart, and I, I like watching her work and her ministry. Um, when you think of this idea of being released, 
Uh, what does it mean uh, to you to be released? Mm-hmm. Well, being released to me means being on mission. And it's easy, I think, when we think about that, too, a lot of people think about just going overseas on missions trips, on mission trips. But we were also commanded and called uh, to live on mission. And uh, I, I, I get that from Matthew 28, verse 19, when Jesus gives us the Great Commission. And he says, all authority in heaven and on, and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always and to the end of the age. And so when I, when I read this... First, it's a command that all of us as believers are supposed to go out and make disciples where God has placed you. God has made you unique. There is nobody in this world that is you. He has made you on purpose for a purpose. Mm. So what is that? What did did God put on your heart to do? How are you going to make disciples? Where are you going to make disciples? Mm. Your neighbors were chosen on purpose. Your kids were given to you on purpose. Your spouse, your job, what are you going to do in those places? And then I also, Derek knows, I love Colossians. It's my favorite book in the Bible because I think it just tells you how to live life. And uh, there's uh, chapter, chapter four it talks about just how to live on a mission. And it says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God would open up the doors, that he would open up the doors wherever you are. That's good. Uh, and to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may speak it clear to which I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Those around you who don't know you, uh, but they can, or don't know Jesus, they can know Jesus by the way that you are, You're outs- the outsiders, making the best use of your time. How are you using your time? God has given you these burdens, these gifts. Are you using them to glorify him? Our time is precious. So let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Uh, so I think about um, Sharon, uh, Stike, who is helping with the women's ministry, she's like, I have the gift. Uh, I love women. I want to pour into women's lives. And I also have the gift of administration. I do not. That is not my, that is not my gift. I love women, but that's not my gift. And so she came up with a whole plan for everything. And so she's using her gifts and her talents and her burdens to glorify God. That's how she's being released. Derek always talks about um, about me, about like how uh, sometimes I will just cry for people who don't know um, Christ. And I know that was your next question. Um, sorry, I was skipped over you. Um, <laughs> but just how how to have such a heart for people who are in false religions because it's false. It's, there's no hope there. And I want them to know Jesus. And so there's been times where I've literally just been crying. And he's like, I, I mean... I obviously am a pastor. I want people to know Jesus, but I'm never in tears. But that's just the heart that God's given me. So what are those things that, that you want to see? Maybe in church, uh, maybe you have a heart for youth. 
Let's make the youth ministry flourish. Don't leave a church or leave um, something that you know that you are supposed, you were chosen to make something happen. So if you have a heart for prayer, let's have a flourishing prayer ministry. If you love, yeah, be the change that you want to see. And uh, he talked about volunteering, and I know we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but uh, volunteer. That we should, if we all would volunteer and use the gifts and talents that God has given us and the burdens, we will change this world. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you jumped ahead. You took all my questions. It's all good. You, I I, the spirit was I moving, I guess, so right? Excited. You got excited up here. That's all good. <laughs> um, I think, you know, I mean, what's one you know, last uh, thing that you can probably share in terms of practicality, like for you, maybe how that looks practical or maybe something for them to think more on? Um, and their spirits. I love the fact that you said, you know, if you want to be the change, the reality is, is that I think a lot of times we come to church and there was a movement throughout the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years where we've just really relied on the church to be everything when it comes to Christianity, set up the baseball fields, get the own league, and the pastor's going to do everything. The reality is Ephesians talks about us being, I, I am here to equip you to do the work of the ministry. I can't be at your job. I can't be in all the spaces that you can, but I can equip you to do the work of the ministry. So I'm here. I'm not out there with you all. And so if you come to me many times, I'll, I'll ask, you say, I want to do this, Pastor D. I want to see this happen. We should do this. I'm like, that's great. I love that you have that passion. Let me help equip you to, for you to do it. Because I don't necessarily, I might, it may not dream of a church where we have hundreds of ministries to where we don't even know all of them because all of you guys are doing different things throughout the community. So I wonder, what would that look like? What's that look like a little bit more practically if you got a last word for them um, as we go forward? Uh, I think it's just asking that, that question. What are the things that you want to see, see happen? Uh, what, what are the things that give, you, that give you life? And Derek had talked about it's gonna be, it is going to be hard. There are definitely times, um, like I have, I have a heart for children and for them to grow up to know Jesus. I'm working as a PE teacher right now, and just to be able to instill truth into them at a young age is life-giving, and that is something that I have a burden for, but it's hard. Like, it's hard. Some days I'm like, ugh. But we have to make sure that we are reminded that we are coming around each other and we're being the church. We're on mission. We're on the same team together. And um, that we toil with all of God's energy and that at the end of the, the um, Great Commission, he says that he's always with us. Mm. And so to be just encouraged by that and know that uh, we are all unique and we all have gifts and we got to shine and encourage each other to do that and to be the church. And um, I also wanted to just think, um, just being able to see it practically, seeing the church be the church to my family uh, recently falling off, uh, falling down the stairs. Um, just got out my boot. Yay. Um, yes. but just to see the church come around, Derek was out of town and I literally left group and fell down the stairs <laughs> and Dr. Robinson came and saved me and helped me. And, um, Jay, Elder Jay, thank you so much for taking the kids to school and everything like that. And the and meals. But what I bring that up to just say that we are on the same team. We're on a mission. It's hard, but we can do it because God is with us. Amen. Amen. So I'll leave you with the same question I started with is, are you ready? Are you ready? 
Whatever God has placed upon your heart, what are the burdens, what's in your mind? Are you ready to make disciples as you go, as we've been talking about, and to be the hands and feet of the gospel as you go outside of these doors? It doesn't happen inside. This room happens outside these doors. Are you ready to see a city change because we grabbed hold of this mission like Isaiah and said, here I am? Are you ready? Let's pray. Father, thank you. For this morning, thank you for your goodness. We thank you for who you are, Lord. And God, I thank you for each passion and burden that you've placed on the hearts of your people, God, and just all that you're doing in the life of renewal. God, we know this is just the beginning. And so, Lord, we look forward to seeing all the ministries and things that take place in the city being better because of who you are. But also, Lord, for the person that's saying, I don't know yet, I'm not ready. God, would they be affirmed that they are in the right place right now? Uh, that you are, I believe, God, can call them to yourself, can save them where they are, and then not just save them like you did Isaiah, but then they have the heart to say, here I am. Use me, God. Mm-hmm. Well, we know that you're still in the business of changing lives, and so, Lord, we pray that you continue to do so in those lives that are here, but also use us to help change the lives of those that are needed outside of this room. Lord, we thank you. We pray all these things in the matchless and mighty name of Jesus We say all these things. Amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.